0: Drawn and Paneled is the comic book showcase podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love from the golden age to the modern age. We love to hear from our podcast listeners, so write to us at podcast at drawnandpaneled.com. And if you enjoy what we do, please take a moment to support us by becoming one of our patrons at patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. Today we're going to go into part two of the Back Issues series that we started on our last podcast and talk all about the new Teen Titans Judas Contract. It's a sequel! Part two! (laughs) But (laughs) first we have some more listener email to cover today today's listener email comes to us from will B, one of our favorite all-time podcast listeners hey, will. who always contributes to our podcast he says i just wanted to let you know that i've been enjoying the show and it was my pleasure to run into george at megacon well mm-hmm. of course it was his pleasure absolutely oh, why wouldn't it be what a kiss up <laughs> now you know who's picking these listeners yes i do <laughs> <laughs> the show was a little crowded for my taste but Mm -hmm. it was fun nonetheless Mm -hmm. he goes on to ask have any of you ever been to Heroes Con in North Carolina yes
1: yeah I know you got to go last year didn't you Jason I I have I've been I went about three or four years in a row I missed it this year
0: oh really you went three or four
1: years in a row wow
0: so you enjoyed it obviously since you went all those times and it's in North Carolina which for us in Florida is quite a drive it's a bit it's a haul
1: yeah it's about an eight hour drive from where we are George but it's a great show. It's all about the comics. Uh, you don't have any of the celebrities. Uh, big focus on comic art and uh, real nice people that run the show. And it's just a good time.
2: Well, except when Jason goes and then there's a celebrity.
1: Right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm internet famous.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, Will B agrees with you. He says, It's a bit out of the way, but it's been my favorite of all the conventions I've tried. Uh, he also goes on to say, After hearing all of your thoughts on Assassination, I've pre ordered the trade and look forward to reading it. Oh, cool. Excellent. Yeah, right. Uh, the Roland Man interview also brought back a lot of memories of the Ultraverse titles, which Roland obviously worked on as an editor and made me want to dig out my issues of firearm. In any case, <laughs> thanks for the good work. Well, thank you, Will. Sweet. We appreciate that. Yeah, we do. Very cool. So what is Will
2: talking about with firearm? I'm not familiar with that one.
0: So that's a question I'm not going to be able to answer. Oh.
2: Jason. <laughs>
1: Do you know what Firearm is, Jason? Uh, Vaguely. It's a comic from the 90s about a guy that I believe can turn his arm into like a gun or something like that. Oh,
0: Firearm. If you said he could turn his arm into fire, I was walking off the podcast right there. (laughs) That's like the answer you give to your teacher in high school when you forgot the whole thing and they're like, what was Firearm? Uh, That was where your arm turns to fire. It's like a really bad dad joke. Right. (laughs) Look at my firearm! Oh, Well, you're on fire, dad. Well, apparently it's a good comic. I mean, Will seems to like it. He dug out his Mm -hmm. old issue. So maybe we'll have to check it out at some point for one of our drawn and paneled back issue podcasts. Or if we set ourselves on fire, we can also do that.
1: Either one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You go go first, Sean. (laughs) Wow. You're so kind. Spider-Man.
2: This is Web Spinning Spider-Man with Flyaway Action Pack. Assembly required. Load the Web Spinning Fluid and squeeze. Web
3: Spinning Spider-Man. Don't you know that you grown-up?
2: Hey there, Drawn and Panel Podcast Listener. I want to take just a second to tell you about something you didn't know you were missing. I'm John, and along with Mo. Hey, everybody. And George. Hey, how's it going, guys? We are Gen X Grown Up. Gen X Grown Up is a website, YouTube channel, and audio podcast by and for Generation Xers, kids of the late 70s and early 80s who may have grown older but have refused to grow up. Every week on our podcast, we cover media, games, tech, toys, comics, games, and pop culture of yesterday and today through the eyes of guys who grew up loving that stuff. And every other week, we do a backtrack where we pick a single nostalgic topic from our youth and dig in deep. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts or find us right on our website at genxgrownup.com. If you're a Generation Xer or know someone who is, I hope you'll check out Gen X Grown Up.
0: First up in the back issue podcast today is our famous creator segment. However, we just kind of <laughs> did almost all of these creators in the last like, episode. So, right, it as seems a part two, right? There's light. a lot of,
2: uh, yeah, not all, we, but some, some duplication, I mean, right? So, there was some
0: duplication for sure. One of the two, or the two biggest duplications, obviously, are Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Wolfman being the writer on the book, you know, he, we talked about it last time, he's been involved in so many DC titles, Tomb of right. Dracula, New Teen Titans, Christ on Infinite Earth, so on and so forth. A slew of awards, a whole bunch of publishers, everybody yep. from Bongo to Xenoscope. I mean, the guy's done everything. And then we talked all about my favorite guy, George Perez, a little bit. You know, he's mm-hmm. a New York City guy as well. Worked on Avengers, which was a Marvel property. Crisis on Infinite Earths and New Teen Titans, DC properties. He went back mm-hmm. and forth. Even did some collaboration work for them. All kinds of awards. Main publishers, DC and Marvel. But he also worked for Boom mm-hmm. and Image, so quite a few people. The other thing I thought was interesting, and we've talked about before in some books we've looked at in the show, that, you know, the
2: artist Comes up with an interesting way to convey something. We talked to a book a long time ago about how somebody looked at sign language in a special way, and it was really cool. It was a letterer, mm-hmm. but I noticed a really nice kind of hint language whenever they were doing flashbacks. The boxes weren't square anymore; they were kind of rounded. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah and, that's true. And I, I caught on pretty quickly because I was like, I've just lost the thread of this story, and right away I'm like, Oh, I get it. The rounded boxes are a flashback, and
0: I thought well, that was. And a they neat, also little did like a thing. different hue on the coloring, mm-hmm. if you noticed as well. Oh I didn't notice that. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe that was, was like a almost hint like also. a sepia tone a little bit.
2: Yeah. But that's a decision, I guess, that the artist does, right? That's not a letter or anybody. They they draw the shape of the boxes
0: too, um, you know?
2: Because it's kind of storytelling, but it's kind of art, but it's also the frame. And I just know, didn't know who You know, I
0: honestly it. don't know that, that because, I mean, I thought, I think I've seen it done both ways. I think I've seen artists who draw bubbles in for the letterers to fill in. And then uh-huh. I think I've seen times where like original pages of art don't have any bubbles on them at all. So obviously it must be the letterers who are drawing the bubbles on top of the art mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. But, or I'm not 100% a sure which way is right or wrong or if I'm completely wrong
1: in both directions. <laughs> I, I think it can well, go uh, either way. Um, I, I, I'm going to turn around and look at my original art on the wall here and see. <laughs> it looks like what I've got. So my stuff's a little bit more modern than this, but it looks like the boxes are already established on the page. Okay. And, so maybe that right. was a
2: Perez thing. And
1: okay. then uh, there's no no lettering or, or bubbles. It's just the, just the characters and stuff on what I've got but I think it I, but I've seen it I've seen it both ways yeah it
0: might just be an artist preference then and it gotcha. might be also how many people they have working on the book in this case there are so many damn letterers which we're going to talk about in just a few <laughs> second <laughs> right. that I'm guessing that Perez had plenty of help if he needed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And plus, I would imagine that even if the artist was the person doing the bubbles, I think he would have done fully fleshed out art first and then done bubbles back over top of it later, because how hard would it be to cut out by hand those characters as you were drawing them to know where your bubble space was going to be, right? Wouldn't Mm -hmm. you just draw the whole piece of art and then put something on top of it later, I would think? Yeah, but you probably leave a little space like where you expect the bubble
2: to be, right? Otherwise, you would fill the frame and not think about it.
0: Maybe, but I mean, this is, you know, before digital, right? right? So this is all hand. That seems kind of hard to do, like to know where to stop, because you look at some of his backgrounds and stuff, Mm -hmm. they're very dynamic and there's not a lot of unused space in his artwork. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, but that's a good, you know, maybe some of our listeners out there have a little bit more knowledge and they can drop it on us in a listener email. If if
1: you're familiar with the process, let us know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk a little bit about a couple more of the creators. So Mike DiCarlo and... Dick Giordano were both inkers on this book. Um, Looks like one was born in New Haven, Connecticut. Giordano born in New York City. Big surprise. Another New York City guy. Yep. Tons of awards I'm seeing. A lot of Batman work. Jason, that's what you've talked about in the past. That's a very predominant book. If you get to work on that for DC, you're pretty much in as far as DC oh, artwork yeah.
1: is concerned, a- absolutely. right? Absolutely. Uh, Mike DiCarlo, his famous Batman work was Death in the Family, which is when they killed off the second Robin. And Dick, oh, Dick Giordano okay. did a lot of Batman work in the 70s with Denny O'Neill and the legendary Neil Adams.
0: Really? Oh, wow. man!
2: Yeah, I'm
1: sure they don't put the scrubs on Batman. <laughs> no, exactly. That was my point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> now we go back to the colors a little bit. It looks like it was still Adrian Roy throughout the entire series, which is really nice because she does such great work. Her colors are outstanding on the page. They just kind of jump out at you and everything. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. her work in all the Teen Titans stuff that I've seen her do she also did a lot of batman and detective comic stuff as well but she exclusively seems to have worked for dc her entire career
2: is she was she kind of a regular to teen titans i know you were a huge teen titan teen yes, titan she was fan. Yeah. She? Oh, yeah so more yeah. than just kind of this run she was a, a mainstay
0: yeah and you got to realize too this is this whole story arc started with issue number two of new teen titans and then went all the way through the annual which is annual number three, I should say, which is kind of the bridge and the gap between new Teen Titans. And then when they started a new series with the same numbering called Tales of the Teen Titans, they went new Teen Titans, number 40, annual number three, Tales of the Teen Titans number 41 and then they started a whole different new Teen Titans series at the same time (laughs) how do you know all these (laughs) 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 I've got all the books like 10 feet from me (laughs) well this was in this number 7 then it went on to this other thing number 222 and you're like what (laughs) Jason it looks like uh, Ben Oda and Todd Klein came back to do some more lettering but then you found another guy that also did some lettering which I completely missed believe it or not John Costanza not related related to George George. yeah
1: I don't think. (laughs) Can't stand (laughs) you. Yes. He was uh, born in 1943 in Dover, New Jersey. His notable works are Swamp Thing and The Dark Knight Returns. And he worked on a bunch of other stuff as a a letterer. And he worked for various publishers, DC, Marvel, and also Western Publishing, which produced a lot of the Warner Brothers comics, such as the Looney Tunes. Oh, (laughs) cool. Very neat.
0: So now you said he worked on Swamp Thing. So was that the run that was uh, really famous by, who was that uh, creator that did a lot of great Uh, Swamp Thing stuff? Yeah, Alan Moore. So was that during during that era? era?
1: He worked with uh, Alan Moore and I think he did a lot of crazy fonts and some different lettering with Swamp Thing. That's supposed to be a legendary series and, you know, really good stuff.
0: Well, yeah. And you know, swamp thing, if you've ever read any of those issues, the lettering in some of those pages was just outlandish because he's the swamp thing and he's all slimy and grimy and greasy and you know, all that kind of stuff. So they did that in the lettering as well, which I always thought was a little over the top. But when I was yeah. a kid, it was awesome.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's even more of this stuff where it's like, well, was that Van Hale and David Lee Roth? Or was that Sammy Hagar? Yeah. Maybe? <laughs> right. You guys know the artists and the letters on certain runs of books is just, I guess it,
0: it blows me. Well, you know, that's the that's the one thing that's awesome about comic books is you you find your favorites, right? Like you talked about, you know, Van Halen David Lee right. Roth yeah, yeah. versus Sammy Hagar. And there are different camps as to which one was better or which oh, one yeah. wasn't. People, you know, oh, people yeah. fight.
2: Yeah, people fist I fight mean, over it.
0: There are people who who like David Lee Roth and then there are people who are incorrect and like Sammy Hagar. <laughs> that's OK. <laughs>
2: I'm having trouble telling where you stand on the issue, George. I know, right? I'm trying (laughs) to be very apolitical here and trying to make sure. So you're not
0: a fan
1: of Van Hagar, I I
0: take it. I'm, you know... I grew up with Van Halen, not Van Hagar. So Mm -hmm. no, you know, it's kind of like now Queen is out there performing and they've got this guy who was one of the contestants on uh, American Idol. Yeah. American Idol. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adam Lambert. Uh, No, it's Freddie Mercury or it's Queen band members playing with somebody else. It's not Queen anymore because nobody can sing Freddie Mercury except for Freddie Mercury. Maybe Mm -hmm. like do his vocal tracks with a hologram or something, (laughs) but whatever you do, don't have anybody else up there. There, right? Do the Freddie Mercury Tupac <laughs> treatment, right? <laughs> right, exactly. It's the same thing with the comic books. When you get used to a certain creator, a certain style, an artist, a letterer, a writer, an inker, whatever it is, you're going to gravitate toward their work anytime you see it because you know it, you trust it, and you like it. And that's mm-hmm. why we love comic books the same way.
1: You can draw and paint your villain in the picture provided. Three different pictures. Superman. Wonder woman. Batman and Robin.
2: In the first part of this uh, look at the Teen Titans, leading up to the Judas Contract, just last week, we uh, you educated me that these are not the same Teen Titans that I saw in the uh, Cartoon Network's cartoon versions of the Teen it,
0: Titans. Y- no, uh, it, <laughs> I mean they are the same names, but they are not my new Teen <laughs> no, they're, Titans. They're, I'm they're sorry, they're quite different.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I know that now in the comic book, Starfire wears less than she did in the yeah. uh, cartoons, but mm-hmm. we co- we covered all the main Teen Titans. So maybe this time we'll kind of focus on the characters that have changed or are introduced new in the, the Judas Contract series.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you immediately said the characters who have changed. So let's go ahead and take the big one right off the table, right off the bat. And that's Dick Grayson Robin, who gives up the Robin moniker for the very first time and creates a whole new persona that became one of the probably bigger personas in the DC universe later on. And that's Nightwing. One of my favorites. Yeah, yeah I mean, oh, yeah. Nightwing is arguably one of the best character evolutions in DC comics because you you start off talking about Dick Grayson is a little boy, right? And he's part of his family's circus troupe, you know, of the flying trapeze, Grayson's and everything. And tragedy strikes, Batman adopts him, turns him into this caped crusader sidekick kid Mm -hmm. who, you know, in the 66 Batman series is, you know, Uh, golly gee, Batman. (laughs) And and that wasn't far off from some of those early Batman Mm -hmm. comics, really. I mean, Robin really was that kind of a character. But when he started having his misgivings about being a superhero and was going to walk away from the Teen Titans. And then he decided to come back in this series to really save his friends was the whole thing. He took on a whole different character that really matured overnight almost. And man, Nightwing goes a little bit crazier than Batman in some future issues. That's for damn sure. So is what
2: I read the absolute origin of Nightwing that when it is. you first see him that is the first so I've actually seen that now so I've like the heard first of yep. the appearance Nightwing, of Nightwing yep didn't know who, I mean I knew he was Robin and eventually became but I didn't know when that happened and so what I saw I accidentally saw the very first time we saw Nightwing
0: yeah. in this Yeah and that's huh, one of the okay. wonderful things about some of these books from this era you see origin stories first appearances of characters who later on yeah, have become, become a part deal. of the lexicon now and I mean we're going to talk about more of them as we go but yeah the this whole series developed or started a bunch of brand new characters that became very important in the DC universe, not just in comic books, but in later TV shows Mm -hmm. like animated properties, TV shows, live action, like the DC Arrowverse, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of these characters are very well represented now as they were created back then. Nightwing's not the only character that gets introduced in this whole Judas Contract series. Or the only badass. There's a few. (laughs) (laughs) Back in issue number two, Deathstroke Slade Wilson got introduced. And man, does he kick it up a notch in this Judas Contract series. This is probably what makes him the character that is now Hated and beloved by comic fans everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a nasty
2: guy. Yeah. We saw him in the book that we read for the last episode, but uh, I didn't care about him. However, thanks to like showing his mm-hmm. backstory, mm-hmm. I, I, I might have cared more about him and his story than I did about the Teen Titans. A lot of these books.
0: It it felt a little bit as though it was more of a Deathstroke story than it might have been a Teen Titan story. Mm-hmm. A save little, yeah. For the Nightwing evolution. Yeah. But yeah, it was. And that's what's so great about what Wolfman does with his writing. He takes the main guys and sometimes he can push them off to the side and tell this other characters that you didn't care about at all and bring them to the forefront and make you go holy crap. <laughs> I yeah. really want to read more about this guy he's
2: not just nobody anymore he's somebody he right. spent a lot of time letting you get to know him and his backstory and like he, his heroism saving people It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that in this book yeah he he was a fully fleshed out yeah, character by the end of yeah. this
0: story and mm-hmm. that's what that's, that's what best, makes Wolfman and Perez so
2: great as a team the best bad guys are the bad guys that don't think they're bad guys which mm-hmm. tends to be kind of
0: Jason I was just curious I mean you've been reading comic books as long as I have considering you know the gap that right. I had where I didn't read comic books for a while were you always a person who enjoyed Deathstroke or is that kind of a new thing since reading these series?
1: I honestly, I I didn't read a whole lot of DC. I think again, I'm going to go back to something I usually mention. The first time I ever saw him was on a trading card, a DC trading card. And it was like the Terminator. I'm like, the Terminator? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger? Uh, but And he was orange and blue and so I didn't know much about him. And then he showed up in some of the more modern comics I read, like Green Arrow and yeah, I always liked him. I, I liked his look without the mask with the great, the white hair and the patch and the goatee. He just looked like a, a badass, but I appreciated him a lot more now that I know his backstory in this. Well, uh, and
0: I always yeah. like how they did that with his drawing and everything. So he's got his mask on. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's the it's it's got the one side of the face that's black with no eye hole and everything. And at first you're thinking maybe that's just shading or something. But then you realize, no, he's only got the one eye. But his his outfit has kind of a swashbuckling kind of feel to it and you're like he's kind of piratey so. because he's got uh. a sword and the <laughs> boots and all but then they take off the mask and he's got an eye patch so he's a pirate he's a underneath <laughs> a pirate that's freaking awesome i love how of, they did that little thing a little bit of d'artagnan under theirs like, right. right.
2: almost i didn't think it exactly. was that way you're right yeah
0: <laughs> now he obviously does a lot of stuff that is certainly puts him in the evil camp. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can find anything more evil than he did, though, with his relationship with Tara Markov. And so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about her. That just got creepier and creepier. (laughs) Right. And she's one of the craziest teenagers you might ever see in any comic book property of the era. She is definitely mentally deranged. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She loves to plot against people. But, I mean, I don't know why. She just comes off as more deranged and evil than most of the people you see heroes fighting of this era. Like, you know, you see Spider-Man fighting Dr. Octopus, right? Mm-hmm. And Dr. Octopus is crazy, but there's something about Tara Markov that just unnerves you when you read her yeah. story.
1: <laughs> she, she was really one step away from being your stereotypical mustache twirling villain. I mean, she just was... Right. <laughs> Uh, just hell bent on just raining terror and uh, getting some kind of revenge and just she she was a bad egg.
0: Uh, we also have William Randolph Wintergreen. We talked about him in the last episode a lot. He's kind of the butler, the Alfred to Batman, but he's that way to Deathstroke, the Terminator. Uh, this guy, he got to develop more of his character in these books, which we're going to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about here during the storyline. But you can see where his loyalty is born for he might be my favorite character in all of these
2: books. Really? Wow. Okay. With no superpowers. He's like the most grounded. You know, I, I felt a little bit of that Infinity War problem where everybody's a superhero. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. refreshing to have this guy who wasn't, who just had a story and was a regular guy. And I think maybe that's why I was drawn to him. Because was is one of those things, where you have this giant matchup things. You don't see a single real human. It's just a whole bunch of superheroes. And I liked him. I liked his injection into the story and his loyalty and his backstory. It was-
0: well, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think that they did his character justice so mm-hmm. often like you talked about in Infinity War, we saw all those humans, right? But they weren't really, they were just dr- window dressing on the panel. Right. They weren't yep. really involved. And so, yeah, so it look, was kind of just... Someone's in peril. Just remember that. That was it. Exactly. Yeah. But here, they gave him a fully fleshed out character. And remember, Infinity War, all those books, they had a lot more issues in them than, than this series did. This was only four issues for the true Judas contract. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I mean, after the
2: setup of the previous two we talked about, so all together... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i guess you could have these four without those but you wouldn't know well, as but much right
0: he really only develops in the four
1: yeah, he's never develop at all right. in the first His two. story doesn't develop. He's just present. That's true. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it, I think they did a really good job. It makes more
1: sense um, after his backstory, too, why he would be so indebted to uh, Slade Wilson and kind of act as his butler, uh, you know, from his backstory. Because, yeah. I mean, this guy's a general and, you know, military. Why is he doing this? But you kind of, as the story goes on, it makes, it makes sense.
0: You talk about William Randolph Wintergreen being a regular character. Adeline Kane Wilson is also just a regular human, right? Mm-hmm. She doesn't have special powers. She has special training, you know, being a former military person, but she doesn't really have any, like, superhero powers. She's a great character, though. I love how she kind of plays this foil between the two groups. And, <laughs> yep. yeah. you know, I think there's still some love for, for Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, her <laughs> former husband. I think she still loves him even throughout the end of the thing. Really? You think so? I, think huh? so. Yeah. I don't you know, know even why. Though, I'm just kind of wishful thinking I'm, I'm maybe. Not sure. Even
2: though he he chose his he chose his legacy over the life of his son, put his life in danger, cost him his voice and she shot him in the head, you still think that she loves him? Love makes you do crazy
1: things, John.
2: <laughs> Love makes you do crazy things, Jason says. <laughs> you know, like shooting your eye yeah. out.
1: That's oh, cuz I loved you. <laughs> Let's take a moment then to
0: talk a little bit about our son, who I don't know if introduction is the right term because he may have the most lackluster introduction of any major character in all of comic books. Like he's just kind of there standing behind her off mm-hmm. to her side. She's the main focus in all the panels right up until you get to issue number 43, where well, that's where he's introduced. But several issues later when he really starts showing who he is as Jericho with all of his abilities. I mean, I don't know. I think that I think that he has an interesting storyline that starts off very meek, which maybe that's because he's got no voice at that point. Maybe that's part of it.
1: He's got an awesome hairdo,
0: though. (laughs) (laughs) He has one of the ugliest costumes, but with the most awesome hairdo I've seen. Yes, I'll agree. He's
1: got the William Cat Greatest
2: American Hero hair. It's awesome. He does, yes. He
0: he does. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he's obviously associated with the new Teen Titans, which we'll talk a little bit better. There's another group also called the Wildebeest Society. I don't know anything about them, but he apparently joined with them for a little while. Uh, His ability is really interesting. I think is the coolest thing I've ever Mm -hmm. seen. So neat. Right. (laughs) He can control other people's motor functions after looking, getting eye to eye contact Mm -hmm. with them and then projecting his soul self into their body. That was so cool. Cool. I did not see that coming. I had no idea. And I'm like, what's <laughs> going on?
2: <laughs> that was so
1: great. Yeah, his intro was not, you know, it was just okay. But when you finally get to see who he is and how he uses his power on Nightwing, that was now that was cool to me. I thought that was a good, you know, move to, to kind of show exactly what he's yeah. capable of. Well, yeah, yeah, he's
0: cool. got some interesting stuff. <laughs> a funny part of his introduction was
2: the first time you see him use his power, he uses it on Nightwing. And mm-hmm. right? you know what is going on. And at one Point Nightwing punches himself in the face yeah. and all yeah. I could think of was Jim Carrey and Liar Liar. I'm kicking my ass.
3: Blitz <laughs> <laughs> Optimus Prime. They got the power to survive. Optimus is becoming a Super Power Master. Who will win find out in Marvel Comics.
1: Gentlemen, we've gotten to the part of the story, and <clears throat> what a story it is. And it starts with what we knew was coming Tara's betrayal. Well,
0: yeah, right. Totally foreshadowed and told in the last issue that we talked about in mm-hmm. our part one of mm-hmm. the series. Yep. You know, those last few panels, hello, lover oh. back in her apartment. <laughs> yeah. You're like, Oh God, yeah. no
2: creepy. Uh, get it off me. And I figured out the title Judas because she is betraying the team and contract because of Sl- Slade's
0: contract with the Rive. I understand the title even. <laughs> Did you take all four issues to figure that out? Cause now that's kind of making me sad. Uh, around the okay. third one. I think I figured it <laughs> <out. laughs> I'm like, I get it. I finally get it. We knew that Tara's betrayal was coming. How did you guys feel like it played out? Did you did you see the way that it was happening as far as everybody getting captured in their personal lives and their homes after she discovered their true identities? Or did you think it was going to be like they all get attacked at the same time? Or how did you did you like the way that her betrayal went forward?
1: Yeah, I did because she, you know, finally became a member and was getting Beast Boy to take her to the different people's houses and places of business. And then it's kind of a I guess she has a contact camera and, you know, clicks. And I like the little photo that she takes at certain places so i thought it was cool what i thought it was you, neat
2: how they never even knew who was uh, abducting capturing knocking out whatever because mm-hmm. like robin was going around or dick or whatever his name is at this point i guess he's nobody he's not robin or nightwing yet he was going around because nobody would answer his calls and everybody's house he went to it's like they're gone there's explosions something mm-hmm. happened right and then we got that rounded box flashback where you see what happened there and none of them even knew it was tara until they all got together in hive and they're strung up in the crazy machine Her betrayals were so well calculated, they played directly into the character traits of who she was capturing. So yes, for, yes. for Starfire, it was, you know, her, her vanity. She got a gift mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Uh, Beast Boy. It was his uh, how he loves to have fans and admirers. He was licking the envelopes and All autographs right. he yep. was signing. <laughs> she set them each up to say, what's your character trait? I'll exploit that. And that's how I'll get you. And I'm like, dang, that was smart.
0: It was. It was very nicely mm-hmm. written, I thought. And also a little bit of her mentor, lover, whatever you want to call him, Deathstroke, he was very well known as like a master planner and everything, mm-hmm. so that fit both of those criteria really well, I think.
2: My only real problem with Tara, I think, was that as crazy psycho loony batshit as she was when we got to Hive, the second or third book, it's almost mm-hmm. unbelievable that she was able to keep it together to play the role for as long as she did if she's actually that crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah. but I mean, if you and I know you didn't get to read all the issues in mm-hmm. between yeah. these like 2 and 34 and now into the 40s and everything but she doesn't necessarily keep it all together there are a lot of times when she almost slips up Okay, but you don't recognize that when you're reading those stories until you get to this series because up to that point you just think she's trying so hard that she's making bad decisions mm, okay. and you don't understand that the bad decision part is her almost blowing her own cover. Oh uh, okay so maybe she wasn't keeping it together it was just they, they trusted her so they kind of glossed over it. She was on a very thin line that was about to get exposed, but she just held on long enough, which was very tense when you read it now as an adult. I don't think I picked up on that as much when I was a teenager mm-hmm. reading it. It just seemed like, why is she so stupid? I don't think, God, why does she Dumb just, girl. you know, but now as an adult, you can see the subtlety of what they were writing. What'd you guys think of Slade's ex-wife? Because she plays a super important
1: role in this story. At first, I thought she was just a jilted lover and trying to do a gotcha to Slade. But as it progressed, and we saw her backstory, I mean, she really was a smart character. I mean, she's a very intelligent woman. Um, you know, has the military training, and I would say on an intellect level, she's pretty formidable with Slade. Definitely in my is. Opinion.
2: Yeah, she's smart. That's for sure. I, I didn't. I wasn't prepared for how how tightly her backstory wove into the origin. Of Nestro. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously, right. we talked about she. You know, she shot him. She was trying to kill him. Is that his reflexes meant he? She only caught his eye. But uh, the, all of Slade's backstory, in fact, I thought was. Is it just me, or is Slade's backstory remind you of Deadpool a little bit? Like, I not, mean, not, not absolutely to the letter. But like, it's chemicals that are trying to help him obtain a certain power, and he suffers immensely, and he barely mm-hmm. survives, and that gives him this
0: power. You know what I mean? I've often thought of him as what would have happened to Captain America had he gone batshit. Crazy. Oh, that, oh okay. yeah, that's yeah, a good it was similar, one. Yeah. Right? Trying to make a super soldier or whatever, right? Yeah, hmm. right. That's, I mean, pretty much. I mean, he if you look at their abilities, their abilities are very similar. They're both master strategists, both super intelligent. Mm-hmm. They both have all these incredible agility skills and everything. Oh, yeah. Yet they're still mm-hmm. vulnerable. They can still be hurt. And it's just one guy was good in a completely different comic book universe. And the other guy was bad. Although there are times when he actually teams up with the Teen Titans later on.
1: Right. Yeah. He became more of an anti-hero, you know, kind of in the 90s and 2000s. Yeah, during the whole
0: Steve Austin WWE kind of thing. That's when he took on that persona a little bit. Well, he has a son. He had two sons. He had one that ended up going crazy and sucking his own soul out Mm -hmm. from within, Mm -hmm. trying to emulate the father he didn't realize it was his father in the first place. And then he had the other son who he sacrificed his talent by trying to rely on Slade Wilson, the father's talent to save him because he couldn't let his ego get out of the way. Was this
2: second son retconned or did we know about him before? Did he just appear in this book or did he exist?
0: Before? So you got to remember, there's no retconning here because Slade Wilson just gets introduced in issue number two. Right. This was planned from the very beginning. So was this second son all the way back in issue number two? No, it's just that you don't know that much about Slade Wilson's backstory right. okay. in issue number all right. two. So he was introduced right? here for the first time. I wondered if I forgot he existed, but he was first introduced here. He was first introduced here, okay, got it. but it's it's just a continuation. Like you you see hints of the wife mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and yeah. then yep. you find out about the son later on. And so it's just levels of introduction. They had this whole storyline planned out back in issue number two, from what I understand. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. I, I believe Grant Wilson uh, made a comment about something about don't talk to me about my brother or no, my did mother he? or something he did. like missed that. Okay, that's, yeah. right. that's yep. what I was looking for yeah. and I didn't notice that, whether they even mentioned that he had a brother.
0: Well, we talked a little bit about it during the character section, but just briefly, I want to ask your opinions, John. I'll start with you. Okay, on Dick Grayson's transformation into Nightwing. Yeah, did you think that that was done well, or did you feel like they missed it a little bit? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, I made a note to myself that
2: when we talked about this, I thought it was fantastic. He discussed it. He talked about his history and it, like I could hear the music building up to it and then right. they revealed him and then immediately Jericho steals his thunder by the whole second half of the panel is an right. I am Nightwing. Yeah, but I'm also Jericho. So enough of you. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. I was stunned that he'd get like a whole page to, you know he's in a, an amazing pose and he's nightwing for the first time but they didn't immediately they went yeah 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 this is other superhero enough of you dick grace i thought that was yeah like unusual
0: odd yeah i mean considering what that character becomes later on you'd have thought he'd have almost had the whole issue just for himself i know for that. yeah so i i was really like really did you just it's like
2: you say on facebook you know hey i just got a new car and somebody comments yeah i got two new cars
0: like well, damn
2: it <laughs> you know, I, I want to talk about me for a second and immediately was about that.
0: <laughs> now,
1: Jason, you yeah. know a little bit about Nightwing as well. What were your takes on his introduction? I liked the uh, introduction. I knew that, you know, knew that this happened, uh, Based on that, this issue is a big key issue. But he did a lot of thought. It, I thought it was a lot of good buildup. That just from what we've seen in issue one, issue two, issue thirty-four, that this has been a journey that he's been on of his identity, and we fi- it finally came to a culmination with him walking down the stairs just to immediately be possessed by <laughs> Jericho. I always kind of felt cool. like he
0: was like preparing himself for a prom date, and he was the girl being picked up in his dress as he was coming down the stairs. <laughs> (laughs) I don't know why, just like when I was younger, I just like, is he... Is he going to ask Jericho out? What
2: is going on here? But then your prettier sister is standing there in a nicer dress in the living room. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Damn it! It was my moment. So pretty soon thereafter, Jericho and his mother, they tell Dick Grayson of their plan to save the Teen Titans. But it's, you know, they're really more just going after Slade Wilson than saving the Teen Titans, in my opinion. I think that the rescue was a little fast and contrived for me. I would have liked to have seen another issue devoted more Mm. to the planning and then going forward, but maybe it needed to happen quick. John, you talked about that for the first couple of issues. You were like, oh, "Okay, it's a slow burn," and then it started to grab a hold of you in issue three and four. Did you like the speed with which the story started moving at that point?
2: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree with you there. I think <laughs> I think the speed that it happened. I I'm, I was happy that it didn't drag out. I'm like, okay, they're all caught. Gotcha. And then I see that uh, Nightwing and Jericho are they're sneaking in. Gotcha. And if it had dragged out a whole bunch of planning or whatever, and I'm like, no, it was awesome. I think Jericho used his his cool eyeball powers to take control of somebody right. with a gun and mm-hmm. use the gun to shoot the, the giant gotcha machine. And I, I, it, the pace is what pulled me through it actually. So I, I'm glad okay. they didn't break it out into another one.
1: I'm going to have to do something that pains me. Oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to uh, <coughs> oh. agree with John. Soak it in. <laughs> Soak it in. Oh, That's delicious. Man, I feel, Oh am I want to take dirty? a shower. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I I liked this issue, the rescue issue or the the rescue scene. I I thought it was paced well. And part of it is I'm biased. uh, Dick Grayson is probably one of my favorite DC characters. And the fact that he's the non-powered... Teen Titan rescuing the Powered Ones, Mm -hmm. and then also kind of, he sort of takes uh, Jericho a little bit under his wing, Mm -hmm, um, a little bit, and I I wasn't sure how Jericho was going to be on this mission, but obviously he's had training, so it's kind of cool that he kind of gets right into it and knows what to do. He's not just like, you know, tripping over himself or making too many rookie mistakes, so I thought it was kind of a cool thing. I, I really liked it.
0: Let's jump into the big fight real quick. So this thing went, it could have easily been its own complete series, just this fight. Like you could have spanned this out over an hour and a half movie. This could have been part two of a movie <laughs> series and I would have loved it, but they kept it very concise. It was just in the last issue um, right before the, you know, the stuff with the funeral and everything. what do you guys think of the big fight? It could have been Judas Contract Endgame if you wanted it to be, right? right. It could have, it could no, have really exactly. <laughs> you know, I,
2: I, I'm glad they didn't spread it out in a, Bunch of stuff because the pacing was good. Everybody kind of got to use their powers. You know, everybody did what they did. Uh, like you said, each, they each, you know, punched about five guys instead of 50 guys, but the pacing was great. And that's the thing that like pushed me through. I'm like, now I get it. There's something on the line and things are happening. Even though I knew what was going to happen because, you know, we've talked about this and this is a 30, 40 year old book, it still, I felt there were stakes and it moved quick enough that it kept me interested, even as a disinterested third party.
1: <laughs> yeah, I liked the fight. I, I think I liked the Jericho. Nightwing stuff before the fight but the fight was still uh, pretty cool I was just wanting to kind of see I was just eager to get to what this the whole resolution was going to be but the fight was I mean obviously and well drawn by not to be Perez. like a 40
0: year old spoiler but we know <laughs> <laughs> we yeah. know that Tara dies at the end of right. this did you guys feel that was a justified death or do you feel like her character needed to stay on as far as comic books moving forward from that point in time were concerned well, I have a question
2: about her death so from what I okay.
0: intuited
2: it, like you could interpret that she killed herself because mm-hmm. she died via her own powers right but it also seemed like the way they had built it up she just kind of imploded on herself i don't mean literally an, an implosion of, but she was going insane she was using her powers. she was going just in like batshit crazy and caused her powers to overwhelm her i don't think she meant to kill herself i think she just went over the over the edge and was Mm -hmm. throwing rocks around and they crushed her which of those is do you you knowing this so much better than i do is more accurate what really happened to her
0: i don't think those are mutually exclusive in Mm. this case i think they're probably both i think she went batshit crazy i think a part of her mind needed to kill herself to save itself if that sounds stupid i understand but and I it, think it that, does so good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that her I think that her persona couldn't take anymore and it had to end its own life so there's the suicide element that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Mhm. But I think that the other side of her, because I really think of her as being almost a bipolar character, I really think that other side of her was still wanting to fight and lash out, but it was being directed by the other side. So it was fighting and lashing out eventually at herself and killed herself in much the same way that Grant Wilson killed himself by using his power, his hate that ate him up from the inside in issue number two. I see those two characters, even though she had a much longer story, Mm -hmm. I see those two characters very similar as far as their climactic ends and how they got there.
1: Yeah, I, I think she just went out of control. And um, I, I'll have to think about what you proposed, George, but I just saw it as her just being overcome and just her powers just being out yeah. of control. To talk about pain, you
2: know, I'm leaning toward agreeing with Jason here, just like he was pained <laughs> by agreeing with me. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I, I think she was way too full of herself for any part of her. To actively want to die. I really just think she got so far out of control that her own activities overwhelmed Mm -hmm. her ability to control it and it just consumed her.
0: You might be right. I mean, I definitely could be wrong. I just think that she was tortured so much as a young person, especially when her father rejects her so much that he sends her out of the country that she was supposed to be a princess in, Mm -hmm. if you think about it. And she's experimented on before that happens and all this cruel, evil things happen to her kind of at her father's hand really and she's cast out and then she's amongst all these people at such a young age that are so evil and so vile she takes on this lover who is double her age easily Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right and i just think that she i think that part of her that good little princess girl just couldn't take anymore at least that i'm probably reading too much into it but (laughs) you know she had a very huge ending way bigger than Grant Wilson ever did. And then what really surprised me at the end of the story was them giving her a funeral just to let her
1: save face.
2: Yeah. They buried her as an honored teen Titan, didn't Mm -hmm. they?
1: Even gave her a statue Which, and told her, br- right. told her brother that well, she and, died. A you know hero. that was
0: interesting that they brought her brother into it because we never see anything about him up until those last panels, right? And he's a pretty prominent character. He's a member of the mm-hmm. Outsiders. He's associated with Batman at that point in the timeline. I mean, Geo Force is no slouch. He's a really good, solid guy who's got the same powers that mm-hmm. she does, and he's just kind of wistful. I know later on, when he discovers that she really went crazy and tried to kill everybody, he actually changes his costume colors so that he won't be associated with her anymore. That's how distraught he was by her betrayal. But at that point, he's just mourning a sister. And then they even, like you said, they give her a statue, a memorial mm-hmm. Now, if you think in the Titan Tower. If you think this hero's funeral
2: is to save face, I would ask, whose face are we saving? Are we keeping oh, anyone from knowing a that Terra betrayed them? Or are they protecting the Teen Titans reputation? by not letting anyone know that they were able to be infiltrated. You know, Ooh, that's a really good
0: yeah. thought. I hadn't come up with that yet, but that's, you know, especially with they were a little bit fractured at that point, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, Dick Grayson, their leader was it, leaving. You don't need and the bad i thinking at this point. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a really good point. Wow. Hmm. I had a good point. Somebody write this down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's what being an outsider will give you. I mean, I'm looking at this fresh and I'm like, I have never saw it as a kid. So I'm just seeing it now with my, my cynical old man so it's going to be a different take on a lot of things probably yeah
0: i guess i was i was still like in my teenager rose-colored glasses that they were just trying to do something nice for her brother more than anyone Mm -hmm. you know and like trying to you know be nice to the memory that they thought they shared with her even though obviously it was all a lie and they were you know foolish but yeah maybe they were trying to protect their Mm. reputation a little bit and speaking of Terra's funeral am i bonkers or did i spot batman at the funeral hell that's not a sliver of batman he's standing right behind robin <laughs> but you don't see his face jesus i completely
2: missed him haha ha, i caught batman but he's just he's like just another dude at the at the funeral yeah, <laughs> oh
0: yeah wait, like
1: oh wait so you see him in the
0: wide shot i didn't even see him in the wide, in shot. The wide shot he's directly behind robin Holy he's crap. like totally there yeah i completely missed that you saw the vertical panel down below that's the one i saw where it's just like the little half yep. picture mm-hmm. which is definitely him but yeah no he's right there because a lot of those characters that you see behind robin not raven uh-huh. but the other characters behind him in that panel those are the outsiders is that the falcon guy behind him is that no?
2: no no okay well i just saw it looks like a black guy with a white mask and i think there's a character called falcon oh, that looks yeah. like
0: that not, no he's one of the he's one okay. of the outsiders. Hmm. okay all right yeah all right and the girl there with the white glow and the little starry outfit that's storm and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's not storm <laughs> I, I don't that's, that's a right. different universe Wrong company
1: <laughs>
0: dc comics Incredible. Incredible, action, action. astonishing, astonishing. adventures, Adventure. the coolest heroes, heroes, heroes. the hottest heroines. heroines. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you're enjoying what we do, help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash and we love to hear from our podcast listeners so please write to us at podcast at and that will wrap it up for this edition of the Drawn and Paneled Podcast. Gentlemen, before we get out of here, mm-hmm. I got one final question for you. I'm going to start with Jason just because I want to. Was this a satisfying end to the Judas Contract story?
1: Absolutely. I thought it was a nice, tight ending. Um, it's it served the purpose of just what they were wanting to accomplish in my opinion so yes I think it's a satisfying end.
2: John? Yeah I'm gonna have to agree especially with my uh, my newfound comic book noob insight on why the hero's funeral uh, but even without that <laughs> yeah I, it was like I said I wasn't really digging the story at the beginning it's just kind of a setup, and I kind of moved slowly and then a the pace picked up and I think rather so many times in comic books I mean they could bring her back to life later I guess but people just don't die they escape haha I'll get your next time because they don't want to terminate anything mm-hmm. and I think that was a fitting end to a story to have her that character run her course and as you said that I didn't know but I've learned her death has ripple effects on people around her after that but her story is done and I think it was the finality was satisfying. Well
0: there you go. And what about you? <laughs> Me personally I think it's my favorite comic book story arc of all time. I've always loved it there are some great story arcs out there the Crisis on Infinite Earths I really mm-hmm. enjoy uh, you know Marvel Superhero Secret Wars that's another one of my favorites uh, The Shadow Hitler's Astrologer that's a big one you know I'm kind of going to pass on that one a little bit because you haven't read it yet I, you don't know I still think this new Teen Titans Judas Contract series is still my favorite I know that the set which I have a couple of sets of it I know that they're worth quite a bit on the collector's market oh, really? I'm not selling them yeah they're, nah. they're yours yeah no these are yeah. staying with me for. For a long time. And the cool so part of that, that is, is be passed on more to than kid. just
2: you have copies of the book, you have your copies of the book. Yes, I right? do. The I have my original first set of the book. Had, And yep. that has even more value than just having a copy, which I know.
0: Well, you know some people who recognize value?
2: I do. You're talking about those <laughs> fantastic
0: human beings
2: that support us over on
0: Patreon, aren't you? That's right. Our patrons at patreon.com slash Grown Grownup. Mm. And we are talking to you, Agile, T2, Stubaka, Slow Mo, Dana, Steen, Will, Corey Thomas, Levi, Chad, and Marcus cool. Ooh. That's the first time I ran out of breath because we added two new people. That phenomenal growth! I couldn't list. get it all in. I love it. <laughs> we appreciate you guys so much. It's just a couple of bucks a month—one buck a month, three bucks a month, ten bucks a month if you're really, you know, nasty like Janet Jackson. I don't know. I don't know where I was <laughs> no, going. Yes? I just wow. ignore. <laughs> No, we love our patrons over at patreon.com. You guys really keep us motivated to keep the show going and keep doing all the research and reading the books and putting out the show notes and everything. I mean, all this work that we do behind the scenes is really all for the love that you guys show us every single month. We appreciate it very much. Gentlemen, I had a blast talking about the Judas contract with you today. Jason, thank you so much for being here. Oh,
1: it's my pleasure.
0: John, always appreciate you. Absolutely. And we will see you guys next time. See everybody later. You call me Wintergreen. Bye-bye.
2: NX Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com.